Tell me the things that someone is angry about and I'll tell you who that person is. I'll tell you what makes them tick. It's a very clarifying emotion. It clarifies who someone is. Singing in the kitchen. Family. Running through the yard. Family. Going on vacation. Family. On the credit card. Greetings, Redeemer family, and welcome back to Redeemer Radio. I am Ross, joined back again by Dan and Sean, and a quick shout out to Chuck Britt, who uh, recently worked with Sean on the mixer we're using, and I think we're maybe coming through a little louder and a little clearer, and there was actually just a pretty simple adjustment he made that I think is going to make Sean's life a little easier in kind of doing the mixing side of things, so thank you, Chuck, for your help. And we are continuing to brave this season called Psalms and the Gift of Emotions. And uh, Dan and Sean, welcome back to the show. What's it been like so far for you guys talking about emotions and the Psalms? Bad dad joke, but it's been pretty emotional. So, All right, all right, nice. You know, I think it's been good because, uh, you know, I would say a few of these emotions aren't as commonplace for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet in some ways in this season, for example, sadness, both with the the crazy year we've had and then with uh, my dad and a friend passing away I think I've just been in sadness more so yeah. it, I, I like some of the th- thought-provoking questions that came from our reading so that's yeah. been helpful to me yeah yeah I'm not sure I've ever spent this much time thinking about emotions and and I'm I'm someone who as a peacemaker and we'll, we'll talk about this later but as a peacemaker I don't I don't like to feel my emotions really strongly right mm-hmm. and because uh, that lead that could lead to conflict or things like that. so this has been really challenging and to see the emotions as a gift instead of this thing to avoid has been refreshing and has uh, I think it's like Dan said it's been it's been literally emotional I think it's caused me to really have to sit and deal with some stuff that is going on below the surface so um, it's been helpful yeah yeah no absolutely I'm I'm the same way and I, I think it's helpful to see how much it's actually in the Bible and how much the Bible does address it and how much kind of thinking about our emotional life can really help us um, in our walk with Christ. Yeah, it reminds me when we started doing some of the Bible reading plans that we did before we started using the Community Bible Reading Journal, uh, we did Psalms several different times, and I put in some emotion charts just to try to think oh, nice. about how to, what emotion does this psalm provoke? Because I do think it's a weakness of us. We can often come more just kind of cognitively and move above it, and mm-hmm. and yet it really does speak to our greatest emotions and really helps us understand how to process them. Yeah, that's great. So we've uh, talked about a number of things so far. Today we are talking about anger. And um, maybe, so anger is not necessarily the most uh, frequent emotion addressed in the Bible. Uh, that is fear, and we're talking about fear next week. But uh, I, I think we could argue that, according to the Bible, um, anger is maybe the most dangerous uh, emotion that we need to be aware of and deal with. Um, you know, few m- missions are as worthy in our life as dealing with our anger in a godly way because uh, we can easily be taken off track um, and do things that we regret with our anger. And we'll get more into that as we go on. And so. I think we'll just start with the question of what is anger and what function does it have in our lives? And I think one simple way to, to describe anger is it's, in, it's an instinctual response to perceived wrongness, to kind of make up a word. It's, in, it's an instinctual response to perceived wrongness. Uh, we talked about it in the first episode. Emotions are an affective, embodied, instinctual response to life. 
And anger is a really good example of this definition. Um, because, you know, anger is, uh, probably one of the least shy of the emotions it's very hard to cover up anger some of the other emotions might be a little more easy to cover up but it's hard to cover up anger it it's our whole body just shows it when we are in that state and so in in some senses um anger is a very helpful emotion because it's kind of like a check engine light that goes off in our lives indicating something isn't right and so that kind of starts getting at sort of some of the functions of anger. It kind of has two main functions, and they're sort of two sides of the same coin. Um, anger communicates value, and it's, and it's an umbrella emotion. So it communicates value. It's, anger is an immediate signal showing what we care about, what matters to us, whether that's good or bad. Um, and so it's kind of been called the moral emotion, um, kind of talking about what's wrong. And, and kind of communicating that value. And so, you know, one person said words that we don't often associate with anger are yearning, wishing, hungering, desiring. I, I think these are some things we're doing in our anger is we're, we're yearning for something to be true. We're, we're hungering for something to be true. Again, whether it's good or bad, and we'll get more into that. And so focusing more in on our anger and, and being more aware of it, it really helps build self-awareness of, of who we are and helps us understand ourselves better. I mean, tell me something, tell me the things that someone is angry about and I'll tell you who that person is. I'll tell you what makes them tick. It's a very clarifying emotion. It clarifies who someone is. But in another sense, it's also an umbrella emotion. It's very much a surface emotion. There's always something beneath the anger. So Dan and Sean, do you do you agree with that? What what do you think that idea means? It, it's a surface emotion. What does that mean? Yeah, I mean that was really really helpful when <laughs> I was taught that because it helped me to slow down and figure out okay why am I angry? Yeah, mm-hmm. I get that I'm angry, mm-hmm. and then to have to to really process what was it because I think even as you talked about it communicates value we can often assume another person's angry for the same reasons we get angry hmm. and they're often very different, you yeah. know? And so the, for me, I realize there's one where I feel a lot of anger will come because I feel disrespected or that they haven't appreciated what I've done for them, mm-hmm. you know? And so I get angry because I um, am upset about that and to realize, okay, that's coming from a place of hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I need to process is that legitimate? Is it not? And what do I do mm-hmm. then with the hurt beyond my anger? Do I lash back out just because I'm angry or do I slow down? Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a lot of credibility to what that person said. So mm-hmm. it was, it's been really helpful to me. Yeah. As an um, umbrella emotion, it's an invitation into a conversation with someone about something, right? So yeah. it's like you, you see it happening and you see it's very visible. Like we talked about um, that, that shows me that that person needs, needs to slow down and be able to process why they're angry and what they're angry about. And it's really, to me, it's just an invitation, um, and, and sitting in a really nice controlled room, uh, where we're not angry right now. It's easy to say that out loud, but sometimes it comes across and it's really harsh and, and it's not as easy to talk to those people. But, uh, but when someone is angry, it really, to me, it just, it looks like an invitation and it's like, okay, what, you know, what's going on here? What do you, why are you angry? Let's mm-hmm. unpack that. And, I don't know. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to see it that way. Absolutely. When people in a relationship can um, 
not suppress but really deal with any anger between them in a really healthy way it really can build closeness in that relationship because there's just a depth that comes with that so I, I, I like that point yeah shame hurt sadness fear guilt can all be underneath our anger when our pride is hurt by failing we may protect our fragile ego with an outburst of anger when people don't do things the way we think they should be done <clears throat> um, when we're afraid and feeling out of control or when we're envious all these anger can kind of be the the leading emotion in those places that have deeper things underneath them so turning over to the psalms the psalms definitely have many different examples of of um, anger in them in different ways uh, psalm 4 verse 4 is very helpful and it's actually quoted again in the new testament by paul psalm 4 4 says be angry and do not sin and this is probably the most famous phrase in the bible about anger and i think that it kind of assumes that we're all going to be struggling that we all struggle with anger and that anger is probably pretty easy to struggle with and i think that's true and so you know, guys, what is so easy about anger? Why do we all struggle with it? Because of the fall. I mean, there's just always disappointment. There's always brokenness. There's always sin and being sinned against. And so mm -hmm. it's just a quick flashpoint, both positively and negative. We're going to talk about some of the different reactions of anger. But, I mean, it's um, it's a, such a reminder we live in a broken, fallen world. Yeah. And so we're going to feel that um, very palpably. Yeah. often in our life yeah there was a quote you had dan in your in a book that you have that <clears throat> i thought spoke to that really well do you have that on hand yeah this is uh from frederick buckner it says of the seven deadly sins anger is probably the most fun to lick your wounds smack your lips over grievances long past roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you're wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. I mean, what a picture. I mean, you know, I think, again, yeah. anger particularly gives us power mm. and a sense of control over how we've been hurt or shamed or, uh, or where we see... Um, things that need to change and then we use it to stand in you know send in moral judgment over somebody yeah but that picture man the skeleton at the feast is you the way it eats at us and destroys relationships is is really powerful and why i think we need to understand how anger can be used as a good thing and and see its destructiveness yeah. um yeah. yeah yeah no that's good so I mean, kind of digging deeper then, so be angry and do not sin. What would you guys say are ways that we do sin in our anger? What, what does that look like, sinful anger? Yeah, I think we've, we've got two categories here that we want to talk about, and the, I think the two ways we can be sinful um, in our anger is that we're angry either about the wrong things or angry in the wrong way. So angry about the wrong things, so like Dan was talking about, when we feel uh, affronted or, or insulted and defensive, um, Maybe maybe we're missing out on what's actually being said to us, or maybe we're—I I don't know—we can mm -hmm. just we can get sideways with anger um, very quickly and very easily. That's—I I would imagine it becomes sinful uh, quicker than maybe some maybe most of the other um, seven deadly sins, right? Like what we just we flip that switch, and all of a sudden uh, we are we are angry and 
um, and we feel like it's righteous anger. And so we, uh, we don't really take the time to think about and process why we're angry. We just know that we are. And so we move forward with that. Um, so yeah. th- that's maybe the one the one category angry about the wrong things but then the other is maybe angry in the wrong way so when we take that that righteous anger that we feel like we have and then we uh, use it against other people use it to claim the moral high ground use it to mm-hmm. um, to really just get our way uh, mm-hmm. and and feel like we uh, deserve something uh, you know as a result of that um, I think these are the two ways that we get ourselves into trouble pretty quickly um, because we don't take the time to slow down and process or or really figure out why am I angry and am I am I doing my anger to other people in a way that is that is uh, sinful? <laughs> the answer is probably at least in my case, right? Like I'm like oh yeah, that's probably usually true. So yeah, no, those are great categories that one of the resources we had kind of brought to us, and you know, angry about the wrong things. One person said, "Utter anger is utterly arrogant." Um, at its worst, anger conveys unadulterated self-interest and issues an ultimatum. Obey my law and my will or suffer my wrath. And I think that when we get underneath a lot of our unrighteous anger, that's a lot of what's going on. It's, it's just our pride um, rearing its head in a very destructive way. And when it gets complicated is when we maybe have we have anger towards something that we need to. So we're angry about the right thing but in the wrong way. Um, that's when it gets complicated. But yeah, there's idolatry that's beneath it. Um, we can, it kind of is a way that we try to play God. Yeah, Ephesians 4, where Paul's talking about putting off and putting on, I think he gives us a way that we often do our anger in wrong ways. In verse 31 of chapter 4, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Hmm. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God is in Christ forgave you. So I think that's some of the wrong way that it bubbles up when we get bitter towards people, when we yeah. clamor, when we slander them and, and gossip mm-hmm. and break the ninth commandment. And then the what it would look like would still be being kind and forgiving and tenderhearted. So... I think there's a lot of ways it relationally bubbles over in really unhelpful ways. Yeah, so that, those are some helpful categories. I mean, there's so much about anger just in those many different, he really is filling that out well there in Ephesians 4. One person's kind of talked about how we do it in the wrong way is either bottling it or blowing up. You know, bottling it up or blowing up. So blowing, that's, that's rage. That's kind of this idea of lack of self-control that the Bible talks about it often talks about self-control next to anger. Um, and, you know, you think of Darth Vader talking to Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, you know, give in to your anger. And that's really what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to give in to our anger and let it kind of take over. And um, it's, I, I think, just personally, I've been, uh, you know, we'll kind of talk about that. I'm, I'm a little bit more of a personality that's over the years been prone to the other side of more denying it but I I think especially in parenting I've noticed more anger in me I I get more irritable um, and impatient and uh, critical and uh, it's been (laughs) very humbling parenting has been very humbling for me um, in in realizing my um, a side of me I didn't really realize was there that I can I'm, can be much more prone to this than I realized. But then the other side, of course, is you know bottling up our anger and denying it. And 
Dan and Sean and I were kind of laughing yesterday talking about this where, you know, one of the many personality um, profiles out there is called the Enneagram and, and we have learned a little bit about it and, and we all happen to be temperaments in the Enneagram that are probably more prone to the denying side of anger than really acting on it. And so we were kind of laughing about that, but, um, yeah, you know, it's been said that, you know, when you really bottle up your anger, it it can lead to depression. Depression is, has often been called frozen passion and you just let it, um, simmer and fester and it it kind of freezes you, but then eventually it becomes a bursting volcano. Um, and it's even worse. And so, you know, we are called in that same Ephesians four passage at one point to speak the truth in love. And so that's kind of a way the Bible speaks against sort of that denying our anger side. Yeah, I think of another passage we we mentioned is just in James four, where he talks about what causes fights Mm -hmm. and it's un met desires so we war with other people you desire something but don't have so you murder and so often in our anger when we blow or we bottle we're murdering you know Mm. and sometimes it's murder with uh, i'm going to treat you like you're dead with the cold shoulder i'm not going to talk to you or it's with you know horrible words that we wish we could pull back yeah i think relationally it shows up when we're angry the wrong way it shows up like yeah using uh language against people that especially online that comes really mm-hmm. easily in the moment mm-hmm. like you're an idiot right or yeah. you're or but but then even interpersonally in our closest relationships we tend to use extreme language like well why do you always say this or always do that why are you you're always do, you know mm-hmm. using really the, these ultimate like you every single time that this person does that and and so i've found that even though i bottle it up it always comes to the surface there's yeah. no choice for it to but for it to come to the surface at some point so even though it's bottle or blow as the two kind of extremes <laughs> even like I don't know. We're not yeah. special because we bottle it up, right? No. <laughs> We're, it, it eventually gets gets exactly. to the surface in it, and it can sometimes be more cutting to the other person when we do that because we're not yeah. as honest, uh, you know, in the beginning. Passive aggressive. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So then, you know, how do the Psalms model righteous anger? And I think we can kind of keep those same categories and flip them around. I think the Psalms model ang- with the, being angry about the right things and being angry in the right way. Um, so angry about the right things. One of the things that comes to mind there is the imprecatory Psalms. We briefly mentioned them several episodes ago, but the imprecatory Psalms are, are where sometimes in the Psalms, the, the psalmist starts kind of breaking out into trying to curse their enemies. So Psalm 58, it says, Oh God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of young lions, O Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. That's just one of... Um, a number of examples. And so there's, there's a lot that could be said. I'm, I'm going to link something in the show notes that gets into it more deeply, but just a couple things about the imprecatory Psalms where you're seeing just this real deep anger um, in them. Uh, I, I think th- this is them being angry about the right things. Some things to, to note are that they actually are rare. There, there's not a, a it's not the most common form of anger in the Psalms. It's a, it's a very extreme form and it's, it's only, you know, seven or eight of the Psalms that get into that. But also we need to realize that 
the psalmists are coming from a place of weakness. This is not them gloating or, or kind of being in triumph. This is them looking to God as the only one who can act in this moment. This is place of desperation. Um, and, and their anger is against wicked enemies who are wickedly treating God's people. So these, this is not anger over trivial matters. This is over very serious things of them specifically trying to, um, you know, deeply wrong God's people. And then also we need to remember these are expressions of moral indignation. They're not personal vengeance. They're not just getting them back. Um, they don't want them to get away with it. There was something I read, a father trying to explain to his child these imprecatory psalms, and he used the example of if an assassin walked into our house and harmed us and then ran away, would we pray for the police to find him and bring him to justice? So he's, he was just trying to show the child, like, that's kind of what is going on in these psalms, and the child really understood that. And we also need to remember that there is there is a presence of this in the New Testament as well. There's times where Paul calls people accursed and and in revelation it talks about bringing justice to the wicked Um, it doesn't mean that we don't um, pray for our enemies Um, they're they're you know when you really think it and you interpret scripture with scripture we are still to pray for enemies um, and hope that god but it's really it's most simply it's a cry of trust that to let vengeance be the lord's and if and in god's wisdom if it's kind of bringing them to justice or if it's in God's wisdom, it's bringing them to repentance. Um, that's really what's going on is they're, they're really letting vengeance be the Lord's in those moments. And so, you know, Romans 12 is a good example of this. I know of several counselors who like to use Romans 12, 17 through 21 to help people process their anger with other people. It helps you really slow down and think it through. Romans 12, 17, 21 talks about renouncing our revenge and deciding to not repay evil for evil. It talks about seeking to live at peace with others. Um, it talks about overcoming evil with good um, and, and thinking through how to respond with kindness. And, and it you know uses that phrase of heaping coals over their head. And that doesn't mean you can't have rebuke towards people sometimes. Uh, Luke 17 shows that. And so, you know, that's, that's a, an example in the Psalms of being angry about the right things, being angry about what God gets angry about. And I think it's also helpful to note that uh, and to kind of look at God's anger in the Bible. We see that often. One person has said God is the angriest character in the Bible. Um, and, uh, you know, you if you think about that, that's because he's angry and he, you know, I think it's uh, Romans 12 also says, hate what is evil, love what is good, hate what is evil. And God hates what is evil. Mm. Um, and sometimes we aren't, we don't hate evil enough. Mm. And um, Psalm 78 talks about God. He, he let loose on them his burning anger, wrath, indignation, and distress, about, and a company of destroying others, talking about God's anger towards the wicked. Um, but also the Psalms talk several times about how God is slow to anger. That's a phrase throughout the Bible that God is slow to anger. Psalm 103.8 says that um, in several other instances. So angry about the right things, angry about what God is angry about, but also angry in the right way, the Psalms show. And one one place to look is Psalm 4.4. We quoted it earlier, be angry and do not sin. But the rest of the psalm is actually, the rest of that verse is actually really helpful. It says, be angry and do not sin. 
ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. So Dan and Sean, how does pondering and silence help with unrighteous anger? It causes you to slow down and ask some of the questions, the umbrella question, like, why am I angry? Exactly. You know, and, and we talked about this a while back, but just the way our brain works when it gets fired up and our logic goes off Mm -hmm. and we're just feeling the emotion, we can't think logically. Right. And so trying to ground ourselves, calm down, take a time out if it's in a conversation, walk away from the keyboard, you know, whatever, wherever you're angry, you know, what great advice a lot of times people say, write a letter and then look at it in the morning to see if you should send it mm-hmm. or an email or, you know, that you just have time to slow down and then think about it again in the light of God's word. What does a godly response look like to me in this situation? Yeah. Yeah. And then First Corinthians 13, it just, you know, love is not easily angered. Mm. And I think that's uh, another helpful. So Psalm 77, I wanted to mention it. It really gets into because sometimes our anger can get when we really boil it down. A lot of times we can find that there's anger towards God, hmm. um, where we don't feel like God is acting fairly in the world. And Psalm 77 shows that verses seven to uh, nine. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has His steadfast love forever ceased? Are His promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And I want to point out, this is probably a way that we don't often think of um, talking to God. This, you know, we brought up Psalm 39 the other day of just ways that we probably get very uncomfortable um, of how to talk to God. But notice what they're doing with their anger towards God. They're going to God with it. Um, There's actually trust there. They're trusting that God can do something. Um, unrighteous anger refuses to surrender and wait on God and look to him for perspective. And so what they're doing in this psalm is they're putting justice in God's hands rather than their own. And, and kind of an unrighteous response would just be kind of take justice into our own hands and not mm-hmm. come to God. And so, um, so there is actually some wisdom in the way the psalmists are modeling their, their anger at God here. But then notice the, the focus moves the rest of the psalm. So verses 10 through 13, the psalmist continues, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You work wonders. You've made known your might among the people. So the focus moves from their anger at God to then slowing down and pondering God's character and God's deeds and who God is. And that what a neat picture of just wrestling with anger with God, both in honesty, but also in, um, in truth and, and who God is. And I thought that was a good example in the Psalms of this, you know, the thoughts from the Psalms and, and anger, Dan or Sean, I think the gift here of the Psalms of reading that and how they processed and how it was it was a much healthier way to deal with their anger mm-hmm. is something that our I, I see that the world desperately needs from Christians. Yeah. Um I, I think that um a lot of the ways that we are a witness to others is how we react uh, mm-hmm. to some of the injustices around the world, but also just our in our interpersonal day to day relationships and our uh persona online um mm-hmm. and, and I think that 
this is such a healthy thing and coming from a place of weakness and, and ad- admitting I don't understand why things are happening the way that they are, but I, I, I know that things are wrong and I need to process these things. I think this is just a, this would be like a, a drink of cold water, uh, mm. a refreshment for, for our, for our world. If more people were able to process and slow down like this. And I am chief among them that needs mm. to be able to carve out time to do that. If I feel um, really angry about something. So mm. what a gift. Yeah. We don't want to be an echo of society, right? We want as followers of Jesus to be an alternative voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want to read, you mentioned Romans 12, but I think it's helpful just to hear again, what it looks like. Uh, you mentioned, it says, don't be wise in your own sight, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what's honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't become overcome. Don't, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way we live out of our, in a healthy way, I think. But that's so hard. You know, yeah. because there's the flashpoints and it's so easy to want to strike back in anger and and say and do harsh things. Yeah. So let's kind of, in summary, put this all together. You know, what, as we're thinking about righteous anger, what does that look like? What are some kind of final um, principles in closing that, that we'd want to leave our listeners with? Well, I, I mean, first off, just going back and asking the question, is it is it righteous anger? Mm-hmm. You know, is it something that God would hate? Mm-hmm. Or is it more personal? You yeah. know, is it really my own hurt versus, or are we weeping for the things that God weeps over? Mm-hmm. I think that's the first question. And then how, how are we responding? Are we doing it in a righteous way? And I think even just pausing, you have, you've helped us with a little acronym before to kind of be aware of things. But sometimes if we see anger as a real common thread in our life to start to journal when we get angry and why we get angry and what it looks like when we get angry because you'll find a thread there's going to be some primary button i think that you're getting pushed Mm -hmm. uh, that causes you to get inflamed pretty quickly yeah absolutely yeah i think slowing down is also another kind of primary principle Uh, there's so few examples of acting instinctively on our anger in a righteous way um righteous anger is almost always thoughtful anger Mm. it's it's pondering and and thinking it through and taking taking a break as we saw earlier and then yeah dan was mentioning that acronym i brought up the first episode feel f-e-e-l f stands for find so name that you're angry that's actually just an important thing to do sometimes we're just so instinctual in it that we don't even name it but even just stopping to name it and you know, just noticing how it's affecting your body. And that's also to just say, don't suppress it, like be able to really uh, name it, but then um, examine it. So find it, examine it, you know, just simply asking why am I angry? Like, like Dan said, that can really start help diffusing the situation. It helps sort of bring integration in our brains to get technical, to get out of that sort of limbic reaction, instinctual reaction and bring more, um, um, integrated. Another question you can ask is, what wrong am I perceiving here? It helps put words to the injustice you feel. Or what is the outcome of my anger? Is my anger making the world a better place or is it serving my kingdom? Mm. 
So just some questions. So examine it. You know, why is it there? But then evaluate it. Is my moral judgment in this anger valid? Am I upset about what God is upset about, like Dan was saying? Um, and then I think under evaluation, too, is try changing your thinking about the person with whom you're angry. You know, one way to do this is to reinterpret the events in a way that believes the best, not the worst, about the other person. And that is so hard. <laughs> and I think it's so important, though. Yeah. Um and we got into that a little bit in our Philippians series, talking about grumbling and how that leads to disunity. And um, James 1, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And yeah, I think another way to phrase that question is, does my anger produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Yeah. Right. Or yeah. is it just producing anger and bitterness and malice, all the things that right. Paul told us to put off? Right. And with that, I think you're right. Are we mind reading other people? Like, are we mm-hmm. presuming motives right. and then assigning motives? Or are we being patient and listening? Uh, I think those are really good applications. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I, I keep beating this drum, but your life online, if you're finding if you're just like online and you find yourself more angry than when you than before you picked up your phone or searched on Facebook or let the algorithm disciple you mm. um, it, then maybe a part of your evaluation is taking some time off of being online because I, I don't know most like most of the time when I pick up my phone just casually if I don't have a purpose behind it I find myself feeling worse than I did before I picked it up mm-hmm. and oftentimes that comes across as anger and and in some way or another. Um, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe that. Per- or, uh, you know, the amount of times that I've started tweeting and deleted my tweet because I'm like, it, but I just find myself like, so yeah. you're saying this or you're saying that, right? Mm-hmm. I think, um, I don't know. I think I, I think we would all be better served by this, this, what you're saying, like believing the best behind someone else's intentions, but also just spending less time finding things to be angry about and, and, and trying to understand what has God called me to do? What has God called me to, how, how has he called me to serve him? Um, and, and I think we would, again, our, you know, redeemer would be better served Mm -hmm. by all of us taking some time to evaluate these things, but then, but also, you know, the, the kingdom at large would be better served by us taking less time Mm -hmm. to find things to be angry about and more Mm -hmm. time learning the heart of God and, and, and trying to, you know, uh, ask God to make uh, our heart more like his heart. Yeah. 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 So kind of to finish off the acronym F find E evaluate, examine, and then L launch. That's the cheesy one, but it just means to act on it, to, to let it move you. And that's just another thing about the gift of anger when it's used, right? I think you think of mother Teresa, you think of Martin Luther King, like anger was a very righteous. Anger was a driving emotion to their compassion and to their seeking of justice and righteous anger channeled in the right way has brought so much good um, in this world. Um, we obviously see that in Christ's life as well. And so, um, you know, in terms of acting on your anger, if you're angry about the wrong things, prayerfully take the log out of your own eye. If you're angry about what God is angry about, remember to let vengeance be the Lord's and then find ways to engage it healthily. And just a quick note to parents here. I mean, you know, what are your children learning about how to deal with anger by the way you're treating them in your anger? I think, you know, Dan got into the whole imitation thing in Philippians quite a bit in that series. And it's an important question of what are, what are people learning about how we deal with our anger? Um, and then I think also I wanted to also mention how to deal with anger in our past. 
And Dan, there was something in the in one of the books you had that that talked about writing a letter to um, someone. But you know, some some counselors have their clients write a letter to the person that they're maybe angry about in their past, and to do it in an uninhibited way, and then read it to a trusted friend or pastor or counselor. Obviously, don't send it to the person if it's just kind of this un uninhibited version. But that can really help, and Dan was kind of mentioning that earlier, but just that can really help you move towards a healthier response to really articulate, you know, the length of your anger. Um, There was something else I think that one of your resources said, Dan, about that. Yeah, and I can't remember right now. Um, I was trying to look for it. But I think the idea of being able to name that, especially in those past wounds, which can then have kind of domino effects in other relationships Mm -hmm. and other people who might. Uh, resemble that person who hurt you or hurt you in a similar Mm -hmm. manner. So then we can sometimes overreact. So I think just getting it out there can be part of the healing process. Then you can determine also, I think, do I need to get, can I and do I need to go to that person in what context? Because it's not always safe to go to that person, particularly on what what transpired. So uh, I think wisdom and seeking outside counsel on some of those harder things is really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. And Obviously, forgiveness is a really important topic along with anger. We did get into that in our hurt episode. So if you wanted to, if you had some questions about forgiveness and how that relates to anger, um, definitely go back to our episode on hurt and we get into that, I think, towards the end of that episode. And then, you know, the final idea of just acting on our anger is remember that love covers over a multitude of sins. So that's it for now. Um, Obviously, there's so much more we could say. Anger, there's so much in the Bible, so much in Christian literature on it. But hopefully that just kind of gave some helpful categories and um, ways to navigate our anger in a healthy way. Uh, Come back next week. We're going to be talking about the the most frequent emotion the Bible speaks to, fear. Uh, So there will be plenty to say about that, and we look forward to talking about that together. Um, until then, grace and peace to you all. Hey,